Today on McJay Today or tomorrow, the Biden administration creates yet another dystopian governmental agency, this time meant to take on your ability to speak freely. And we watch in horror as the president of the United States cannot speak a polysyllabic word. And finally, we talk about how Biden had celebrated teachers for perpetuating a standard democratic trope that's rooted in Marxism and really much, pretty much says that your child does not belong to you. That much more coming up. Welcome back to McJay Today or Tomorrow. I am Scott McJunkin. And ladies and gentlemen, I didn't think it was possible. I really didn't. When I when we, we've gotten to April, it's almost May, and I thought I had seen everything that the Democrats could possibly do that is ridiculous and stupid. But leave it to the Democrats to surpass my expectations. Because I, I had thought after all the censorship and all of the mishandling of Afghanistan, the economy, uh, Ukraine, Russia, that there was no place to go as far as Democrat liberal ridiculousness, that they had reached their summit, that they had gotten to the upper atmospheres of stupidity, that there would be nowhere that they could possibly go. But I was wrong. And that doesn't happen very often, if, if ever. Um, so what I'm talking about is that they have created now something called the Disinformation Governance Board. And before we go any further, talking about who runs it and, and why it exists and all, all those details, let's just stop for a moment and think about the name itself. If someone were to come to me and they were to say, hey, Scott, look, man, we got this uh, new governance board and it's going to be tackling disinformation, but we don't want to weird people out and make it just off-putting. You know, we want people to kind of like it because we know that there's a whole thing around how the word disinformation is ambiguous and there's no clarity on it. Like, what should we call it? The last thing, I, I would come up with a thousand things to, to call it. I, I would write it out and it would be amazing. Every, every single one of them. Heck, I, I, could, I could ask my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter, to list out a hundred different names to call this. And it would be better than the disinformation governance board. Our body. Is it the body? Yep, board. I was right. Anyway, it's called the disinformation governance board. And it sounds like something that is directly from a young adult novel. And it's depicting a oppressive governmental agency to suppress the free speech of their people. It, it is legitimately the dumbest name. But I digress. Let's go ahead and take a look at how uh, the article that came out that actually broke the story. Because before this, we didn't know, but apparently it had been in the works for a couple months. So let's check it out. It, it came out of uh, Politico. And it was just this one little paragraph. It said, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, is standing up a new disinformation governance board to coordinate countering misinformation related to homeland security focused specifically on irregular migration and Russia. Nina Jenkowitz will head the board as executive director. And it goes on to talk about how she she's a disinformation fellow um, and she advised some people and they're trying to trying to prop her up for, uh, you know, just 
you know, the quality sake. But so we, now we know it's part of the DHS. We don't really know much about this board, but we know it has a terrible name and that somehow they're going to be combating disinformation. And Politico said, you know, it, it's 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 it, it has to do with Russia and irregular migration. But we know how this turns out and we can kind of take a look at uh, Nina Jack, Nina Jankowitz. Well, first, let's take a look at her WordPress um, personal site here. And without going any further, she says right there at the very top, she's a disinformation expert. And I, I, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how people become disinformation experts. I don't know if you go to school for this and you take classes or, or you study under, like, is it an apprenticeship program? You're studying, you're studying under um, a disinformation journeyman. You know, that, that, that has years of experience piecing through data and figuring out what is and isn't real information. But she's the expert on it. We don't know how, they, how she became this, but she is the expert now. And let's, let's go ahead and take a look at a tweet that, that delves into the mind and where she is as far as what disinformation is and where her politics are. Because honestly, it's not that surprising. We can kind of see where this is going. But let's pull it up here. She said... And this this tweet came out on the 25th. So she said, last week, I told NPR Michael, I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms. What would that look like to marginalize communities, which are already shouldering disproportionate disproportionate amounts of abuse? She's talking about online abuse. She's talking about how... If free speech absolutists get a hold of more platforms, meaning if like Mark Zuckerberg one day wanted to sell to Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg himself became a free speech absolutist, which is not a, a thing, by the way, it's it, it, it's or maybe it is. It's a new thing. This concept of free speech absolutist. As if we're on a spectrum of free speech. Um, but she's saying that. If if Mark Zuckerberg became a free speech absolutist, someone that believed in free speech, it would harm marginalized communities. So she's not talking about uh, Russia and irregular migration. She's talking about social justice and that the concept of actually being able to express what you feel and believe will produce more more abuse out there specifically for marginalized communities. And all of these words and terms, ladies and gentlemen, are very vague. They, they are not specific. And that is on purpose, because if there was specificity in regards to what free speech is, who it is, uh, I mean, what disinformation is and who that disinformation is harming and how that abuse actually hurts people, then they would actually have to abide by those those definitions. But now they're keeping it open because they want it to be a gray area. Because if you if there's any information that goes against the narrative, the, the, the approved narrative, which we've seen can change rapidly over the course of months, then they, they, they want to reserve the ability. The, the, the left wants to reserve the right to shut you down. And now that Musk has taken over Twitter, they see that there is a threat to their monopoly on information being uh, discussed freely and openly in the public square and they want to hold on to that. So now that the private companies are, are kind of weakened a little bit in that regard, uh, now uh, the DHS wants to step in and start policing free speech. And one of the, one of the more, one of the more, more uh, 
funny interactions that I didn't see coming, but I'm glad it happened, was between Steven Crowder. And if you don't know who Steven Crowder is, I highly recommend that you uh, check him out. He's very entertaining. Uh, but Steven Crowder sent out a tweet, and Elon Musk replied to it. And um, it, was, it was just... It was just uh, right on. So um, Stephen said, the government is creating a misinformation governance board. Who else did, did something like that? Oh, I remember the Nazis. <laughs> and there are some data showing interesting things are going on uh, post Elon Musk's Twitter takeover. And Elon Musk said, discomforting. <laughs> so, <laughs> and... Uh, I love Elon Musk's tweets. I really do because they're short, but they 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 always have wit and they always communicate exactly what he wants to say without actually saying it. Um, so, which I think is a a gift. Like if there if there was like a talent, uh, if there's like a personality uh, test that you could take, I really think sarcasm and wit needs to be on there. I really do. Like your Myers-Briggs plus, and that plus would be uh, plus sarcasm and wit. Uh, it, 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 would be, it would be excellent. All right, so, mo- so moving on, uh, Elon obviously is, is saying it's discomforting. And this comes after the EU back on Saturday. Was it su- Saturday or Sunday? I'll pull up the article here. Um, actually put in rules in place. And I think that these were kind of preemptive because they knew they could kind of sense that Elon was going to take over Twitter. And so they had to put in their own rules. And so the EU um, said that they made new rules and they specifically called out the commissioner of the European Union actually called out Elon Musk and said that he would have to abide by those rules. And uh, this digital, it's called the Digital Services Act. And one of the goals is to force platforms like Twitter to crack down on the spread of disinformation and prohibit certain kinds of ads. So that that was a big question for me earlier earlier in the week was, okay, we saw what the EU did. Could the uh, Biden administration do something similar? And obviously uh, they are and they're creating their own disinformation board and moving on. uh, One of the greatest uh, rebuttals to this, which was excellent, was Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Josh Hawley. Um, he's an outspoken critic of the Biden administration. He um, always has uh, things to say, especially whenever it comes to standing up for things like free speech. And I'm going to pull this up here. I'm going to do so many things at once. Okay. All right. So this is on American One. It says, uh, should, Josh Hawley says that this should be uh, immediately dissolved, and he was talking about the disinformation board. Let's go to his tweet here. So speaking about this, he said, the administration that activated the FBI against parents at school board meetings now has created a government disinformation board to monitor all American speech. It's a disgrace. Joe Biden, Secretary Mayorkas, dissolved this monstrosity immediately. And in this letter, and I, I believe it's worth kind of noting what he said. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to take a look at this. It said, um, I write with deep concern about the Department of Homeland Security's decision to create a new disinformation governance board. I confess, I, f- I first thought this announcement was satire. I agree with you, Josh. It, 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 yeah, it, the name itself sounds satirical. 
Uh, I, I believe that the Babylon Bee is probably looking at this disinformation governance board and wishing that they're <laughs> and just in disbelief because it is so satirical. It sounds like something that they would come up with. Um, but it says, surely no American would ever use the power of government to sit in judgment of the First Amendment speech of its own citizens. Holly went on to say, sadly, I was mistaken. Rather than protecting our border or American homeland, you have chosen to make policing American speech a priority. This new board is almost certainly unconstitutional and should be dissolved immediately. He went on to say the Supreme Court has even gone on as far to say that under the First Amendment, there is no such thing as a bad idea. The apparent broad mandate of this new government entity to coordinate countering misinformation in America undermines the argument that it can that it can even exist underneath the Constitution. While Democrats have for years controlled the public square through big tech allies, Mr. Musk's acquisition of Twitter has shown just how tenuous that control is. It can only be assumed that the sole purpose of this disinformation governance board will be to marshal the power of the federal government to censor conservatives in dissenting free speech. This is a dangerous and un- this is dangerous and un-American. The board should be immediately dissolved. And it should. It absolutely should. Um, all joking aside, this is a very serious matter. The right for Americans to speak freely without consequence, specifically from the government, is essential to our democracy. Elon Musk said something very similar in a recent tweet. And I know on Twitter, one of the biggest rebuttals to free speech advocates was that you could say whatever you want, but you are not immune to the consequences of that speech. And they were talking about being canceled online. They were talking about uh, being shamed publicly, Um, things like that. Things that, you know, you could say whatever you want, but the mob can come after you online. All, all's fair. But this is, this is something completely different. This is not the mob coming after you. This is not you being shut down by Twitter or Facebook or YouTube. This is not you being, you know, put on blast in a, in a viral tweet. This is a federal government creating a governance board that polices language. I can't think of anything that has happened like this before. And if, if we are going to, we, we should join Josh Harley. We, Josh Hawley. We should send letters to representatives. We should be outraged at this. These are the same people who unleash the FBI on parents during school board meetings calling them domestic terrorists. And we saw what what they did with the Hunter Biden story. We know that even though we saw inflation happening right in front of our eyes, that they were passing blame onto the war in Russia, even though Biden's policies are a direct (laughs) contributor to those things. We know that the disinformation that, that, that's being targeted is actual 
truth. There's there's some actual disinformation out there, but there's disinformation on both sides. You can never get rid of disinformation, especially whenever you are talking about someone's opinion, because someone's opinion could be wrong. Someone's opinion is their opinion. But whenever there are verifiable facts that are happening right in front of our our, our eyes, the left has always said, or recently has said, don't believe your lying eyes. Don't believe what, what, what you're, you're actually seeing. Don't believe that the protest that is burning down buildings all around you and people are dying. Don't believe that it's a violent protest. Believe that it's a mostly peaceful protest. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we see these things happen, you got to get more involved. You have to call your reps. You have to call your senators. You have to make these things known and say that and let your disapproval be known. Because if we don't take a stand with things like this, whenever topics like this come up, then we actually concede defeat. Because we were, and I, and I know what we all kind of think is that it's someone else's problem. Like, someone else is going to stand up. There's going to be another Josh Hawley out there, you know, that's going to stand up for it. I don't need to do anything. Who am I, right? I just got off of work. But honestly, there, no one's doing that. It's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to each of us who value this idea of free speech to make sure that we show our disapproval of things called the Disinformation Governance Board. And by the way, it's a completely bad name, and I, I hate to say it. I really do. And, and thinking about and talking about things that we, <laughs> we hate to say and that uh, are tough to say, um, Joe Biden recently, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is just too funny. Joe Biden, in, in, in regular Joe Biden uh, form, couldn't go too long without his brain kind of breaking down publicly in an incredible fashion. And this time, I don't really blame... I, I don't really blame Joe Biden for, for getting this wrong. I probably would have stuttered with this one. I probably would have uh, messed it up a little bit. But uh, his brain totally broke down. And he, was, he was at a press conference. All right, so here's Joe Biden speaking... Uh, I, honestly, I don't know where. Um, saw this clip come by. And it must have been the speechwriter's first day because they put in um, kleptocracy in, in, in Joe Biden's speech. And that is an obscure word. That's kind of hard to say that we don't that's not in the normal vernacular of common everyday conversation. However, even if he got it wrong, he, he just he just breaks down. So um, so let, let's 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 watch this. Their luxury homes and other ill begotten gains. Of Putin's kleptocracy, uh, yeah. Poor guy. Kleptocracy oh. and klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies <laughs> seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten <laughs> gains. I, I, I don't know why, but I love that yeah. laugh. Kleptocracy and klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies <laughs> seize their yachts, okay. their luxury so, homes. <laughs> this guy, this guy, he's the president. He's the president, and I know I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Scott, you're making fun of him. He's an old man. There's obviously something something wrong with him. He's the president of the United States, y'all. He's he's he has more power than any other person in the world. <laughs> and and he regularly he regularly he regularly does this. 
And I point this out not to make fun of him. It's to point out the ridiculousness that the fact that he is the most popular president in the world. I mean, the most popular president ever to have been elected, receiving more votes than Barack Obama in the most secure election in, in, in history. There's something instinctive that we have whenever we look at him. We know there's just something instinctive. Like, he is not... Uh, He's not a strong president. He's not a leader. He's not someone that I would respect. Um, but honestly, there's something there's there's something terrible with him. And but I can only imagine what what's happening over in China and and the leader. You know, whenever Chinese leaders are, are watching this and they see our president just totally uh, have a have a mental break uh, on TV, then. Uh, they got to be laughing at us. And it's just it's just so sad. It is so sad. All right, so moving on. Joe Biden, he uh we're we're, we're going to bring up one last thing and this is again Joe Biden uh was speaking at a teacher of the year event at the White House. And during this event, he talked about a a mainstay of democratic belief, which is that children are not really children of their parents, I mean, maybe their children, of course, yes, but they're not really part of a family. They're part of a community. And this goes back to Marxist beliefs. This goes back decades. This is a, a tired old thing. But every time we hear it, every time it comes up, it, it, it shocks us because as conservatives, we kind of forget about this idea that this is a progressive idea that is strongly held, that children are part of a community, that, that it takes a village. And that it's not really, children aren't really part of the family. They're part of this collective idea. And this goes, like, as conservatives, we don't really think in those terms. We, we, don't, we don't ever, like, I never look at my daughter and, I'm sa- and I say, I'm glad my community's here to help me raise her. Because, you know, gosh, if it was just, you know, up to myself, uh, then I, I, I sure would do a, a horrible job. You know, I, I don't ever think in those terms. And it sounds nice. It takes a village. It, it sounds all warm and fuzzy, but it goes beyond that. We're going to take a look at this idea and its real roots in the Communist Manifesto. And we'll break that down. But first, let's go to that speech. So this, this is Joe Biden tells teachers that students are not somebody else's children. They're yours when they're in the classroom. So whenever you send your kids to school, Joe Biden believes, and he said this multiple times, he believes that those kids are not their parents' kids. They are the actual teacher's kids. And uh, so let's go ahead and take a look at what the uh, former public in the world. Have our students gain confidence enough to know what they can do to reach in. We have an obligation. We have an obligation to help them t- teach and reach their potential. Okay, I'm on board. And you've heard me say it many times mm-hmm. about our children, but it's true. They're all our children. And the, the reason you're the teachers of the year is because you recognize that. They're not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. You represent a profession that helps them gain the confidence. All right, so there it is. There it is. You heard it from the president um, that uh, they're not someone else's children. They're ch- your children. 
uh, that they are like all of our children. I got to say, I never thought about like, hey, I saw another kid. Let's, let's look. I already talked about my daughter. Let's talk about another kid. I, ne- I have never looked at another kid, even if it's on, even if this child is on my street or in my neighborhood, in my state, anybody outside the realms of my nieces and nephews and my daughter. Uh, I've never thought, oh, my goodness, I have a responsibility to raise this child. That they, I am, I am part of their community, and me being here is raising them. That that kid, in effect, is my child. And in fact, if if one of my neighbors came up to me and they said, "Hey, look, I I, I saw your daughter playing outside, and I want to thank you for allowing me, for giving her to the collective, which includes me. We we because we're all parenting. I'm I'm helping parent your child." I know I only see you on Fourth of July and maybe Christmas whenever we're doing carols, but Joe Biden said that uh, you know they're 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 not really your kids, so they're part of the group, they're part of the community. So so that's shocking, right? That raised that raised some eyebrows. But I have to remind y'all that uh, Hillary Clinton back in 1991 wrote a book called It Takes a Village, and we all kind of think that It Takes a Village was some kind of old saying. Hillary Clinton really popularized that in the, in the 90s, and the whole book was what you think, which is, okay, we have to take care of the social good, and we all do that through community. She does not focus on families. She doesn't focus on the importance of parents. She doesn't focus on how children are actually part of a family unit, and that unit is the one thing that determines the kid's socioeconomic status, the their ability to actually remain in school, the fact the, the determining if they'll actually get divorced or even be exposed to uh, sexual abuse. All, de- all depends on the formation of that family and that cohesiveness of the family. But no, Democrats don't want to look at that, especially progressives don't want to look at that in the power of the family. But this isn't a new idea. We're going to kind of go back in time here to 2013. I'm going to refresh your memory here. If you don't remember, this is um, a... Uh, Someone that we don't really hear from much anymore, <laughs> Melissa Harris Perry, and she was doing. And this was back in 2013, and there was this campaign that uh, MSNBC was doing called "Lean Forward," and it was these short little uh, liberal progressive sermonettes that they would put on in between show breaks and commercial breaks. So let's. This is one of the most famous ones. Let's take a look at what uh, Melissa Harris Perry said. We have never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. There it is. She said, we haven't had a collective notion that these are our children. Let's go back. Let's go back and kind of see. She spoke really fast. She was making lots of points very quickly. She has to. It's, it's, a, it's a tiny spot. Let's go ahead and, and re-listen to this and kind of break it down. Because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. You're a private notion of children. Doesn't that just, ugh, doesn't that just make your skin crawl? <laughs> like, it, it, it is not, it's not an idea of the children are your children. It's a private notion. <laughs> so, and we need to have this discussion of these are our children. All right, let's move on. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids. Be- we have to break through. I, I can't. I'm not going to comment. I just 
belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility and not just the households, then we start making better investments. All right, so so I, I I'm I'm sorry I had uh, if you're listening to this on a, on a podcast on audio, uh, you were spared uh, looking at her and how she forms words with her mouths because it's it's kind of strange, but um, still you you heard what she said. It, it this progressives ultra progressives believe that the idea that your kid is your own and you have your own family is a private idea. What also is private? Private companies, okay? Capitalism, the idea of personal private property, all these things go against the progressive idea of collective uh, living, that you, you don't really own a house, that you don't really own things, even your own children. Charles Schwab said in the future, we will, uh, you won't own anything, but you're going to be happy. And and so it's this continuation of it, but it's not a new idea. It really isn't. And Stephen Crowder put it in his his tweet. He said, uh, "I know, actually, Steve, uh, no, no, strike that." He was talking about the Nazi thing. Um, no, it reminded me of this Marxist idea of of getting away from the family. And so let's let's talk about the abolition of the abolition of family in the Communist Manifesto. All right, so we're going to take a look at Marxist.org, and we're going to look at what the communists said in Chapter 2, the Proletarians and Communists, and this is part of the Communist Manifesto. Um, we're going to talk about, we're going to see where this kind of idea originated from, and we're going to go, we're, we're going to work through this real quick, because this isn't, this is not a new idea. This is something that we need to be aware of, and we need to know where it came from and don't let anyone s tell you otherwise um this is absolutely a communist idea so the abolition of family and i i just want to say i i don't the bourgeoisie the, the bourgeois anyway i i'm going to mispronounce it um not french um but i'm gonna i'm gonna replace bourgeoisie with capitalist okay because that's what they are and then you have the proletariat which are the working class so i'm gonna replace that word okay so anytime i see it i'm gonna say capitalist or working class got it all right and, and and both are at odds with each other in the communist mind this is the old progressive trope of taking one class and pitting it against the other one identifying group and pitting against another because then you create strife and then you can create this new order that happens it's it's very tired very old very predictable so it's the abolition of family even the most radical flare-up at this information proposal of the communists. He's saying people get mad even you know at this most infamous proposal of the communists. So apparently this had been, this idea had been circulating for years from what I researched it's like it's been around for decades. Um but whatever. So he goes on to talk about what foundation is the present family. The capitalist family uh based. It's based on capital, on private gain. In its completely developed form the family exists only among the capitalists. But this state of things finds its complement in the practical absence of family among the the uh, the working class and in public prostitution. He's saying uh, he's saying what if you, if you have a family, this thing called family, what 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 is it based on? What's the foundation of it? And because capitalists are only in favor of things that you can get and and, 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 and benefit from, then it's money. 
And that's the only thing that, that exists. And he goes on to um, uh, solidify this idea in, in the next sentence. He says, the, uh, the capitalist family will vanish as a matter of course when its complement vanishes. And both will vanish when, uh, with the vanishing of capital. So the family, it doesn't even matter. Like you, you, They call themselves the family, but you know, w- once, a benefit, once the family stops benefiting people, a capitalist, then the family disintegrates. And it, when the money goes away, oh my goodness, that's ab- like all of it, it's absolutely gone. And so, and he goes on to say, do you charge us with wanting to stop the exploita- exploitation of children by their parents? To this crime, we plead guilty. And I, and I, I don't really need to go any further with that. It, this statement right here, do you charge us with wanting to stop the exploitation of children by their parents? To this crime, we, we, we plead guilty. So it's not parents parenting children. Parents are being exploited by their children because their children benefit their parents only. And to a communist, Marxist, all that, that is a crime. That's akin to a crime. And they wholeheartedly believe that. So let, let's take let, let, let's take a step back. We we saw Joe Biden talk to teachers at the Teachers of the Year Award at the White House, and he said, "Those children don't belong to 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 somebody else. Meaning they don't belong to their parents. They belong to you whenever you're in the classroom, and you know that. And that's why you're the Teacher of the Year." And we saw you know the progression back in 2019, 2013. Um, with the the idea of private ownership of your children, and then we also know also brought up in the 1990s Hillary's Clinton Hillary Clinton's idea of it takes a village, and I bring all of this up because as parents we we have to continue this, and I don't know why the liberals why why liberals are so stupid as to continue on this whole anti parent agenda. That's the best way I can describe it. This, this agenda where parents don't have control over the child's education, where they don't really have control over it, that they belong to this community. Like, this is an obvious detriment to the Democrats and will obviously hurt them in the midterms. And I can't for the life of me understand why they continue on this, the, these talking points that is a losing talking point other than it's a complete and absolute belief that it is, it is something, it's almost like a, a religion, like a tenant of a religion. You cannot move away from this one thing, no matter how bad it is, no matter how hard it hits them in the polls or in the voting booth, they just cannot let go of that idea that, children are being exploited by their parents and god forbid what if their parents are teaching their kids misinformation well now there's a governing body that's going to be policing misinformation amongst people who supposedly have a first amendment right to say whatever they want or to speak freely free speech so this is another issue that we need to continuously be on board uh, about. We need to keep our eyes open. We need to keep our ear to the ground, and we need to talk to our parent, talk talk to our families, talk to our representatives, talk to our communities around us. Um, you know, the communities that don't actually own your children, but like um, are around you. Um, you you need to within your sphere of influence talk about these issues. 
and fight against these types of ideas and, and, and policies and regulations being propped up in your communities. Because I got to tell you, if you're not going to be, if you're not taking action, if you're not standing up and letting your voice be heard, if you're not protesting these things, then you're letting it happen. So ladies and gentlemen, until next time, I hope you have a great evening, a great day, great afternoon, and I'll see you next time.